literally on the drive back home, we both of us decided, okay, let's finish off the school year and we leave in July. And so that gave us like a, a finite amount of time, nine months to incubate, gestate this plan and then go. Welcome to Interviews with Travel Families, where every Friday we ask travel families how they do it. We ask what style of travel they do, what they do for a living, how they save money while they travel, and what they feel is the most important advice they can give. If you join us on YouTube, please join us in the comments section to tell us more about yourselves and your travel dreams. If you're joining us on our podcast, sit back, learn, and enjoy. Today we are delighted to be interviewing a family of five um, who have been traveling the world since 2018. This exceptional family is your go-to experts for all things world schooling, and we just really can't wait to get started. Before we do get started, if you are watching this on YouTube, then comment below uh, with any world schooling questions or tips that you might have. I'm sure that they'd love to jump on here and help out with some of those answers as well. Welcome to the show, Astrid and Clint. We are super excited to have you here. Where are you interviewing from? So currently we are just outside the city of Birmingham in the United Kingdom. Oh, cool. And house sitting for the moment. Tomorrow we're actually going to be leaving to another part of England. We've been here a couple of weeks now. Awesome. That's really exciting. Do you want to tell us really quickly, just like introducing kind of your family? Our invisible kids that we have right here. Yep. Uh, we have, <laughs> they do exist. We actually... <laughs> We have three, we have three kids. Um, our oldest though lives in New York City, so he doesn't travel with us. He's 24 and then we have an 11 year old and an eight year old who's been traveling with us for the last three years. It's exciting. Awesome. Yeah. So with a lot of travel families, bloggers or vloggers that we've, we've talked to and online, it's sometimes hard to determine their expertise, but yours is super clear. It's world schooling. Can you tell us more about what world schooling is and what it looks like specifically for your family? Well, so there's a lot of definitions of world schooling, but we like to take a very inclusive approach to it. It's not necessarily something that you have to do if you're homeschooling, but you know, you can be in traditional school and you can world school at the same time. We really think of it as using your travel experiences as opportunities for learning. You could be world schooling and do it in your hometown, or you could be like in another country and world schooling too. It's really just like finding things to learn about the world and, and applying like your experiences into, into learning. It's kind of an umbrella term yeah. that basically just kind of combines some sort of world exposure to any type of schooling, really. We have friends that do traditional schooling and still consider themselves world schoolers all the way to unschooling or whatever the case might be. So, but I think our, our particular flavor of it is it's a good combination of some planned cool, traditional kind of homeschooling type of stuff, which sometimes means I have to study. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, a lot of experience-based teachable moments while we're out and about. See, math is nice because we're always dealing with currency. Yeah. When we travel, we're always dealing with like the conversion between Fahrenheit and Celsius, for example. There's always like opportunities to sprinkle that kind of stuff in, yeah. Yeah, and the only other, I wouldn't say it's curriculum because I don't really follow a specific curriculum, but just our home state is Washington or we kind of follow the Washington state homeschooling guidelines. Parts of Washington state follow common core standards. I will just make sure that the activities that we do hit those different competencies that I want them to have. The other day, we, we went to the Black 
country living museum. There's a part of England that's called the Black Country because that was where coal mining was. And a lot of industry kind of grew out of that. That's near where we're staying. And uh, we went to a living history museum. And then when we were doing uh, writing activities, I had the kids practice writing persuasive essays. So write like different topics of like, what do you think it was like living in the Black Country during that time? Or do you think children should have worked at the coal mines? things like that. We do know families that travel around with curriculums, like actual, the problem is most of that stuff is still very textbook based. Not very much of it has been digitized in any way. Mm-hmm. And so for us, it's just really hard for us to carry more stuff. Yeah, that's a lot. You, you, you don't want to, you don't want a suitcase of just textbooks. I've been around a hundred pounds yeah. of books. Yeah. Yeah. You know, right. <laughs> yeah. so that kind yeah. of dictates how we're yeah. doing it. Yeah, we did start using uh, like out school as a supplemental for various things, mostly like karate or dance class. That sounds like an amazing, like educational experience for your kids. A traditional blend with like a lot of field trips and those field trips to the world, which is amazing. Let's be honest, field trips were always the most exciting as kids when we were in school. (laughs) Field trip day. (laughs) That or when they rolled the TV up on the cart. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they'll be the only kids in the world that don't like field trips after this. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Can we, can like we just stay in the classroom? <laughs> we were wondering if you could share a favorite story of your travels. One I remember early on was we were in Mexico and we swam with sea lions out near this island. And then you came in and it was a whale shark migration and well, the whale sharks oh. came in. And so you jump in the water with the whale sharks and you have to keep your distance, but you, you get to see them. They're basically just filter feeding off the top of the water. My youngest jumped in, the water is kind of cold and, you know, he had fun, but he was like, he wanted to be in the boat the rest of the time afterwards. But <laughs> but my daughter loved it. Like she, she jumped in multiple times. She sat there and floated. It, thinking back on it, it was kind of like, how the heck did we manage? Because at the time, like our kids were. I think they were five and five seven. Five and seven, yeah. yeah. And so oh, wow. we have pictures and videos of her just watching the whale sharks. And then these whale sharks are, you know, they're 20 feet longer or, mm-hmm. or so. Mm-hmm. And there's these just massive, beautiful creatures. And she's like, just absolutely soaking it in. Um, I just remember that like being one of the first memories, I guess, where it was just this like, holy cow, we're doing this crazy thing that there's no way you could even explain this out of a text until you actually see that in person. I think it was just aha moment for us, I think. Yeah, and we have a lot of experiences like that where you can read about all of these things in books. We were privileged to be able to see it in person. Like I want to share one of my favorite memories riding scooters in Indonesia we spent a couple months in Bali specifically and then also on the island of Lombok and Java when we were in Bali and Lombok we rented scooters and just drove around the islands and it was a lot of fun and it was my first time riding a scooter put like one kid on one scooter and the the other kid on the other scooter so both parents would be driving around zipping through these these streets and going past rice patties. That was just a good memory for me. We love the rice. That's cool. Something that our our audience really loves to to know 
is, because this is definitely a privilege to be able to travel. What is it that you guys do to be able to make this happen? So I'm a cliche. I am a, I am a programmer. Definitely met a ton of programmers, whether they work independently or they work for a company. I've worked for a company the entire time we've traveled. And then we also started a side business. When we started traveling, I had quit my job. And so it was mainly doing freelance writing, working with uh, different travel companies to share their company in exchange for uh, experiences. I started working full-time again, right in the middle of the pandemic. <laughs> and I worked for a nonprofit. Um, I work remotely for a nonprofit. It's based in New York City. For us, that's how we've managed it. We know a lot of people that sold their house to travel. We'd actually bought a house a year and a half before we started traveling. When we bought the house, we were like, well, we'll just postpone any possible travel, like long-term travel plans until right. later. But then we just started talking to people. We went to a conference in Canada that was a travel family conference. And we started talking to full-time travelers there. And they said like, yeah, just put your house up for rent. And then we're like, yeah, we can do that. And then they're mm -hmm. like, just ask your boss if you can work remote. Yeah, I work from home four days out of the week anyways. So that's a possibility. And we're just living the same lifestyle in some ways, just not in Seattle. So really we have like multiple sources of income. The primary income sources from our jobs, as Clint alluded to earlier, we have an online business that we started last year as well. And it's a game company. And so we created a card game we sell on Amazon. We also bring in some like other income just from freelance writing or your freelance work. And yeah. then we have rental income. So it's just like a bunch of different things to help us sustain our lifestyle. And then as we're traveling, we also will, you know, it's cheaper to stay longer in one place as mm. opposed to going from one place to another every few days. So that helps us save costs. House sitting, like what we're doing right now, will sometimes help us save on lodging and- Even just negotiating just, yeah. with lodging, reaching out to potential hosts, seeing if we can get monthly rates, try not to exploit the host in any way but just reach out to them friendly you know hey would our budget usually this would you be able to accommodate mm -hmm. closer to that? That's worked really well. We primarily use Airbnb for all of our lodging, except for house sitting, which we do as well. That works well if you can fit it within schedule. I'd love to know more about the house sitting. So one of the concerns we have is getting house sitting gigs when we have kids. It's not easy to be a house sitter if you have kids. Not the house sitting part, but just getting people to trust you. Mostly it's them trusting that your kids will be responsible. We use the platform Trusted House Sitters. We have done house sitting gigs of just people that we know. Um, with trusted house sitters, we have a profile and I make sure I put pictures of my kids with their with the dogs and stuff just to show that they're friendly with animals. Whenever I look for gigs, I, I basically like cast a wide net and just mm. apply to as many as I can. I think my success rate is actually like 2%. You have to be comfortable with rejection because you, <laughs> yeah. you, get, you, you get a lot of rejected applications. Thank you. We're excited to be able to do something like that at some point. Mm -hmm. So so before we ask our favorite and perhaps most useful question for our audience, we want to know where people can find you online. So we know that you have a blog. We know that you have a YouTube channel. We know you have some other things. So why don't you tell us what those things are and what people will find when they go there? I think my spiel a little bit first because mine's short and sweet. I mean, she has, she's a little <laughs> bit, she's a little bit more connected to the world. The thing that we had, the, the game company we have is pronounced Vibugo. It's V-I-B-U-G-O.com. That's where we sell our game. You can also contact us directly through there. That's our newest thing. What's the game called? Oh, sorry. The game is called Stack the Scoops. It's a family card game. So that's the most recent thing. I'm just on Facebook and Twitter. 
made by Clint. Anything made by Clint is where you can find me. That's kind of my moniker throughout. Made by she is the, the queen of all the social oh, media and internet stuff. Yeah, so my, my main blog is The Wandering Daughter. And so I have a Facebook account for that, also The Wandering Daughter. And then Instagram is Wander Daughter. And um, I also recently started a niche uh, Mexico-focused site called Mexico Family Travel. It doesn't have as much like personal stories on there, but it's based off of our experiences in Mexico. On The Wandering Daughter, it's uh, primarily world schooling, as you mentioned, but I also try and uh, share tips about like the places that we've traveled to. And because through our traveling, we've really started putting more focus on sustainable travel. And so there's a lot of tips on how families can travel sustainably as well. We also love giving tips or talking to anyone who wants to do world schooling or wants to travel or, you know, like I just, we love having conversations with people who are slightest bit interested or even people that have been doing it. Mm -hmm. Our circle's grown massively in the last like three years and it's, it's fun. And now we have people all around the world um, to try to meet up with. So people can come find us in any of those channels and yeah. we'd love to chat. We like, we like answering questions. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that's really good, the whole family travel world is that it actually is a community, right? And so as you get into it and you engage more with it, whether it's because you're asking questions or because you're doing it yourself, that it's just, it's wonderful to have basically a global community that comes out of that. So that's really cool. Once you start traveling, you start running into the same people in different parts of the world. And, oh, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> it's or it's like six degrees of separation from someone else, you know, right? It's yeah. Like, Right. <laughs> we met them too over here. Yeah. Okay, cool. So we'll put all the links below in the description. Okay. Uh, before we get into our last question, comment below if you have any questions about world schooling or any tips. Maybe you've been doing it even like homeschooling or world schooling and you got some great tips for us, then put it in the comments below. And smash that subscribe button. All right, so our final and favorite question. What advice would you give to a family that's on the edge or is considering or has just started taking on that world adventure? Yeah, so I would say do it. <laughs> I can't think of, I was trying to think of something more eloquent, but there's so many things you can prep ahead of time, but at some point you have to make that decision to just go. You're always going to have fears. There's always going to be a level of uncertainty. You're not going to gain anything if you don't try it. You're never going to be prepared. You're just never going to be prepared. The only way you're going to be prepared is actually go start doing it and learning. Start small. If you're from the United States, for example, plan a month in Canada. Or if you're in Canada, try to plan a month in the United States. Or if you're a little bit more adventurous, try to plan a month in Mexico. Like don't go to the opposite time zone of the world. Um, don't go to a culture that's 100% different than yours. Try to book something in a different state or try to find a house sit in a different state for a month. Just start small because that gets the ball rolling. Yeah. I mean, so it's not to say that like, don't have a plan, you know, don't make your plan this like big, long thing that it seems like your ultimate goal is so far away, you know? Set a deadline you can't back out of. When we left that conference, we actually booked next year's conference, which was in Mexico. And that was a year away. That gave us the target yeah. then to shoot for to be gone. All right. Well, we are very excited and happy to have you guys have come and share with us. So thank you so much for being a part of our channel and sharing your stories and your tips. And you've got so many great things going on for you guys to be able to make this all work for you. And I'm hoping that the people who've watched this 
this have learned about how they they can you know maybe take something that they're already doing and and do it virtually so that they can be on the road and yeah. and travel more and do a lot of stuff yeah and the people listening as well this is a both a youtube channel and a podcast so so you might be listening might be watching whichever yeah so that's really great i love the financial tips i've always really wanted to try house sitting thank you so much for joining us we've really enjoyed hearing all of your tips join us next week on interviews, interviews with, with travel, travel families, families.